Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. I'll read from Luke chapter 24, verse 9 through to verse 43. You'll see there the verses of focus from verse 13 through 35, the road to Emmaus. This is part one, to Emmaus and back. Please listen very carefully. This is God's holy and infallible word. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our, el- and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that, he who was, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while, we, while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But 
They were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And thus ends the reading of God's word. Amen, amen. Please be seated. I've chosen to title this message, Word, Communion, and Life Reversals, this first sermon in this section to Emmaus, in a, to Emmaus and back. Remember in the beginning, before the lie was believed, the Lord walked with us and fed us from the tree of life. No veil covered our hearts or our eyes. We learned from God as He walked amongst us, and we ate together in perfect peace and joy. This was God's plan for us to grow up in the dominion work. We would learn and grow to do this work in His presence for His glory and our joy. Walking with Him, learning from Him, eating in peace and joy. But the perfect learning and unbroken closeness with God were lost. After the fall, we ran to isolation and ignorance when He walked amongst us. Recall in Genesis 3.8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Brothers and sisters, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, has changed everything. The two disciples that we see on the road to Emmaus so recently dismayed and departing from Jerusalem, confused and blind, with new eyes of faith, granted in the context This faith granted to them in the context of word and communion. Hurry back to Jerusalem, seeing the unseen Christ all the way there, with blazing hearts and tongues aflame with the gospel. The Lord is risen indeed. And it is the faith that Christ gave them in the context of word and communion that restored them to see, to walk, to act, to go forth in the right direction with the proper message, with right understanding, right hearts, and good words. If you look there in your sermon notes, you'll see this chiasm of the road to Emmaus. I'm thankful to A.A. Just Jr. in his book, The Ongoing Feast, about the road to Emmaus. He actually depends heavily on Bach as well in his work. You'll see there the chiastic structure 
uh, verse 13, traveling from Jerusalem, and verse 33, returning to Jerusalem. Verse 14, they're talking together with one another. Verse 32, they're on the way back talking to one another. Verse 15, Jesus drew Himself near to them. Verse 31b, He vanished from their sight. And then the central section of the path to Emmaus, receiving the attention through this literary structure that Luke gives to it by the Spirit's work, is the spoken word and the broken bread. The central life that God has called us to. And you'll see if you look further in your notes there that there's another chiasm there within those verses 17 to 30. First in verse 17, the two are walking and sad, but in verse 30, the two are seated and blessed. In verse 18, Jesus is a stranger. And in verse 28 and 29, He is no longer a stranger. Verse 22 to 23, the women at the tomb did not find Christ's body. And then verse 24, the disciples at the tomb did not find Christ's body. And there in the central focus of this central section, verse 23b, the angels report, Jesus is alive. We'll be looking at this together in the weeks to come and seeking to learn from these words and the structure that emphasizes these key things that God calls us to learn. Going back to the first overview, you'll also see there the connection between the spoken word and the broken bread and the conclusion in verse 34 and 35 informing these two sections, informing one another, enhancing, emphasizing aspects of the text. The conclusion, word of God and communion with God as they share the gospel of God. So in today's sermon, Word, communion, and life reversals will go through these pairs of texts and we'll see how it is that faith came and changed them. And we'll see the comparison on their way back to Jerusalem. First, the Word of God and communion with God, brothers and sisters, changes everything. The Lord Jesus Christ brings this change into their lives through His Word and through communion with Him, fellowship with Him. And it's worth me saying now that when I say communion, I'm not talking about the sacrament. I'm talking about communion with God that is available to us anywhere, anytime in this life. But especially in regards to food. And it does apply, especially here in the midst of the people of God, enjoying the sacramental meal that Jesus Christ gives to us, His people. We'll see how God gives eyes of faith and compare that to realize that work fine, but don't really see. We'll see how we can walk with the invisible Christ by faith. They were not dismayed when He vanished from their sight. Their faith was not lost when He disappeared. We'll see their hope restored as they talk to one another along the road. And we'll see them return to Jerusalem with glad tidings on their lips. So first of all, what have these two disciples experienced? By the Holy Spirit of God, Luke, the inspired prophet, emphasizes these things to us. 
What caused their reversals? The word of God and communion with God. Both brought together the word and fellowship. I'll read to us again verses 17 to 27. And you'll see how the Lord Jesus Christ brings the word of God to them in such glory and power. Starting with verse 17. He said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So the disciples here are having a natural talk with Christ as they walk with him to Emmaus. They don't know that that it's Jesus. They've been friendly to this stranger. They've received him to come and to talk with them on the road. He listens to them and they listen to him. And later... From what is said later, we know that as Jesus is preaching to them, their hearts are burning within them as he is opening the word of God, the Old Testament to them, showing to them in the word of God, through all the scriptures, the truth of the Messiah, helping them understand who the Messiah is and what he must do, the truth concerning himself in all of these scriptures. And note how this scriptural exchange warms these two toward Christ. God the Spirit is at work in them. They've not come to full faith yet, but they are on the right path. Their hearts are warm. The Word of God brings us to God. And then there's communion with God. Verse 28 to 30. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. See, he's not a stranger to them anymore. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with him, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. So these are the things that had occurred That God chooses to emphasize to us. Jesus did reveal himself to others before this. But by God's spirit, through the prophet Luke, what is emphasized to us 
is the connection between the word, communion over food, and faith that changes everything. <clears throat> Jesus is no longer a stranger to these two disciples. Something has changed. The word of God brings us close to him and to one another. They want closer fellowship with him. They constrain him to come in and stay with them. They were walking with Christ the stranger. And initially it seems as though it would have been fine to part ways with Christ. But the word comes from the mouth of Christ by the spirit of Christ. And they say, please stay longer. They want closer fellowship with him. So what does Christ do? What happens when we draw near to God? He draws near to us. Christ draws near to them. The rest of this text is Christ acting. Christ moving. He was going to go away. They said stay. And he comes all the way in. He goes in the house. He settles down at the table with them. I love Luke's words. It came to pass. I wonder what those moments were like when he stepped inside with them. So they're at the table. Jesus takes the bread. Jesus blesses the bread. Jesus broke the bread. Jesus gives them the bread. And it is here, brothers and sisters, in this simple, profound act of eating together that Jesus brings his faith-granting actions to full fruition. And this is not just for them. This is how God has always worked. The Spirit inhabited the words of Christ, burning these hearts, and the Spirit inhabited this meal fellowship, bringing the opened eyes faith in the risen Christ. Please note that this is a simple table fellowship amongst friends. This is not the Lord's Supper. It certainly has components and elements that rightly bring us to think of the Lord's Supper, but it's not a Eucharistic meal. Eucharist meaning thanksgiving, especially of the people of God gathered together in the name of God for the corporate worship of God on the day of God. Because communion with God and with one another is available at all times. And especially meal times. So, one thing, I hope this sermon will change your meal times. And you will understand how powerful they can be. 
So what happens first? When we look at the reversals that are going on here, the first thing is that they see with the eyes of faith. In verse 16, their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. They saw this fellow, they spoke with him, but they couldn't see that it was Jesus. As they walked with Christ on the road toward Emmaus, even though his risen body walked right there with them and talked with them, his voice, the risen larynx and lungs and tongue of the risen Christ vibrating the air of this new world, bringing those sounds to their eardrums, they didn't know it was him. They couldn't see him for who he is. They couldn't hear him for who he is even though he was right there with them. Before hearing the word of Christ and communing with Christ, they could be in Christ's presence and not know him. So the reversal occurs. Here, verse 30 and 31, Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened And they knew him. So after hearing Christ's word and enjoying Christ's presence in a simple meal, their eyes were opened and they knew him. Everything he had explained to him, the truth about who the Messiah really is, that he ought to suffer and die before he enters his glory. All of these things that they had not understood about the Messiah, that they did understand when their hearts were burning, now those burning hearts were met the flame himself. They saw him. The Messiah. This faith in Christ guide them all the way back to Jerusalem and all the way through their lives. Think of all that these disciples had seen and heard with Christ throughout his ministry. In verse 13, they're called two of them. So that we know that they were disciples of Christ. They were not of the 11. We'll see that in this text. But perhaps of the 70, of the 70, the, the commentaries I've read, most of them say they were probably of the 70. Yet, they'd been with him all this time. They did not know Christ as the foretold Messiah until they heard Christ preach his word about himself and then sat at table for peaceful fellowship with him. This is how he sanctified them and this is still how he sanctifies us. It is how he planned it in the beginning and it is how he is transforming this world. And it's not a drive through It's not fast food. It's time spent with him and his word in fellowship with him. And this is where he changes us. Right now, you may hear my voice, but to the extent that I am bringing to you the truth of the words of Christ, you are hearing Christ's voice. Christ is walking with you now. If you are hearing his word. And the question is, are your hearts burning for your Messiah as you hear the word of Christ? 
Because a time is coming later where you're going to sit at table today with Christ. And you should expect in this process for your eyes to be more opened, the eyes of faith to be more opened to Christ your Messiah today and every Sunday. So they're given these eyes. They have these eyes of faith. What happens next? They walk with the invisible Christ by faith. Verse 15 says, So it was while they conversed in reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Walking along in the midst of their own thoughts and reasonings, without faith in the Messiah, the disciples, before hearing the word of Christ and eating the bread with Christ, they have eyes but do not see and ears but do not hear. Jesus himself draws near to them and walks with them. They are walking along with Christ himself, but they cannot see him and they do not know him. Seeing Christ with them, they do not believe he is with them. And this is true of us. This same thing happens to us to the extent that we do not understand that Christ is with us. That we do not believe that He is with us. Verse 31b says simply in contrast, the reversal and He vanished from their sight. Why is this a reversal? Because they didn't stop believing that Christ was walking with them even though they couldn't see Him. Before He was with them and they didn't believe it. They could see Him with their eyes and they didn't believe it. Now they can't see him with their eyes. They perceive him with the retina of faith. Even though they walk back to Jerusalem seeing only one another, these two disciples have learned. And they know now that they are walking this road with Christ unseen. Even though Christ has vanished from their eyesight, he has not vanished from their eyes of faith. Is this your life? Is this how you walk in this world with this kind of faith? Not seeing Christ with them, they believe Christ is with them. Major theme that God presses home in so many resurrection accounts is blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. There's such great blessing. And power in that life. What do we see next in this reversal? Verse 14 says, They talked together of all these things which had happened. They didn't have hope then. The next thing we see revealed is that they not only have the eyes of faith, and they're walking with Him, and they know that He is with them. They have hope. This is a hopeful walk back. These two disciples, they'd given up on their hopes early on. They'd given up on Jesus. The fire that was there had turned to ashes. The light that was there had flickered out. They're downcast. They're alone with their confusion and their loss and they're commiserating together. This is an exchange of misery and disappointment. Swirling words in fog with 
faces sad communing in mourning. That's, they turned their back and they were headed, probably headed home. Probably Galileans heading home, most commentaries say. We don't know. But something has changed in verse 32. (laughs) Everything has changed in verse 32. This is a new kind of conversation. This is a different kind of conversation. And there's so many counterfeits for this in our world. Sports, great example. Oh, man, we're down by one run. Uh, It's late in the game. We're going to lose. Why'd the coach do that? Why'd the coach do that? I really thought this was our year. Boom! Back-to-back home runs, and they're dancing in the streets. Oh, how empty, shallow, and temporary are such things. You see, we give in to these types of reversals, worldly reversals, temporary reversals, meaningless reversals, if we are not caught up in the one that matters. Listen to what they did. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So all that goodness they were experiencing on the road that was clashing with the fog and it was mixing the fire, the light, the burning, moving away the fog, this marveling that was taking place, this transition, that's behind them now and they're thinking it through, what that was like. Now filled with faith, walking with Christ unseen, they think back over the preaching of Christ along the road to Emmaus. You've done this. You've talked about when Christ changed you. You've talked about when Christ taught you from His Word. You've talked about transitions that He's accomplished in your life. I mean, you better stop me if I get talking about August 23rd, 1991, because it's going to be a long story. And if Catherine's there, it'll be even longer, because we'll both tell you the story of how He saved us from our sins on that day. Over hot dogs and hamburgers, brothers and sisters. <laughs> I just really remembered that. <laughs> this is what they're doing. They're marveling together at how the Spirit was working in them as they heard the risen Christ preach of the suffering Christ, learning the full reality of the Messiah from the Word of Christ. And they now are exchanging different kinds of words. And this should mark our fellowship. Our fellowship should be marked with these kinds of conversations. These are victory conversations. It is the devil. It is our flesh. It is the world that wants us to stop speaking of Christ and His glory and to get distracted and talk about other things. And if He's ever grown old to you, gather together with the saints and listen to the stories of His goodness in their lives today. You see, they're exchanging words of rejoicing and hope with faces glad, eyes aglow, and bellies filled with special bread. It's quite a reversal. The outer ring of this, if you will, that's how the author 
of that book I told you about. Just. That's how he refers to this. These are circles, the outer circle, and it works its way into the, to the inner moment. The most outer circle here in this chiasm from Luke is verse 13 and 33, returning to Jerusalem. Verse 13, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. So all of this occurred on the first Lord's Day. Okay, all of this occurred on the first Lord's Day, the, the day that Christ was resurrected from the dead. So what are they like on the way with Jerusalem behind them? Jerusalem in their rearview mirror. Jesus in their rearview mirror. Hope in their rearview mirror. They're walking away from the city of hope. The direction of their steps matches the trajectory of their hearts. And that's always true. They have no faith they have no hope. They have no glad story to tell, no good news to share, only mourning and a life continuing under the tyranny of the Jews and the Romans. They have only another story of faithless Jewish leaders and futile resistance to Roman rule. What were we thinking anyways? It's just like it's just like they told us in the beginning. We're just going to get killed. It never works to fight against Rome. It never works to fight against the temple. Things are very different. They rose up that very hour, verse 33, and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. They're not hearing those old voices anymore. Rome is in trouble. The temple is in trouble. And they know it. All of these forces who had come against them are brought back into proper perspective because Jesus Christ is alive. The one who has conquered the grave will conquer the world. The one who has stepped out of the empty tomb will destroy the temple. The one who has revealed himself to them in the word and the bread will bring forth a new kingdom that takes down even Rome itself. Do they know all of these things at this young hour? I'm not saying they had developed it that fully, but they knew that everything they were leaving behind, everything they were running from, had a whole new way of understanding it. Spurred on by faith, walking with Christ all the way back, seeing with eyes of faith, burning with this invincible resurrection hope, they speed back to Jerusalem. I can't help but think that their steps per minute were a little bit more than when they left Jerusalem. A hop, skip, and a jump may have been seen on the way back. To the eleven, to all the disciples, they've got a good story to tell. They can't wait to get back and tell the story. Children, is this, is this how your life is? Do you have a life filled with good stories to tell about how God loves you and how you've come to see Him as your Savior and as your Lord and that you're going to live forever and that there's no force in this life that can come against you because He is the risen King? 
This should mark your life. Have you had this kind of reversal? Little ones, listen to me. Have you had this kind of moment in your life? Where faith has come to you and you know that Christ walks beside you and He will never leave you and that your heart is burning with love towards Him and your tongue is speaking of His goodness and you can't wait to find the next group of people to love and to serve and to share the glad tidings with. This is, this is a story that can serve as a matrix, a model for all of our lives. They got there, they couldn't wait to get there, back to the place of hope, to the community of hope, with glad tidings and good news. The Lord is risen indeed. So some questions to know and to love and to obey God. Do you understand the simple spiritual power sitting down and eating together in peace and joyful fellowship with one another and with others at home, here at church. You understand how powerful this is. And that the Lord has structured the world in a way where He is changing us. And He's drawing near to us and drawing us near to Him through these simple things. Do you see how Christ dwells in our midst as He teaches us and feeds us? Christ is the one who is our shepherd. He is the one who feeds us. He is the one who teaches us. He is the one who is in our midst right now. He is the one who is in our midst when we are in our homes eating our food and speaking of His glory and His goodness once again to one another over His Word. Do you see this? Simple, glorious reality. That He's with you. And that He's blessing you. And it's not only when you eat, but it is especially when you eat. Next. How do you think you might be like these two disciples before they sat to eat with Christ? It's a question I've asked in sermons leading up to this. And we look at the, the lack of faith of those good women. Lack of faith of the disciples. Peter's lack of faith. Now we see these two disciples also as an example of needing more faith. I'm asking you this same question again. And I think you should really listen if the same situations have been coming to mind over the last three or four weeks. How are you like these two disciples before they sat to eat with Christ? And and you know, another question was, where do you commiserate? Are you mostly commiserating and sharing stories of mourning? Are you feasting on your disappointment? Being misinformed. That they were misinformed. They thought they understood, but they didn't. Confused. Where do you feel hopeless? Where do you feel like there's no hope? Where have you given up? Where have you turned your back? Where have you started going the wrong way, either with your heart or with your feet? Not seeing Christ before your eyes in that scenario, in that place in your life. There's lots of things we could think of. 
It takes faith in Christ to go through life and to continue to have a happy story to tell all the, long, all the way along. Where in your life have you made Christ absent, ignoring His risen presence? That hard case, that individual you know that will never change. Or they're just too set in their ways. Jesus was dead. And God raised him from the dead. Or that relationship that just always seems to lead to conflict. You've given up on it. Will I ever get married? There's a good one. There are things that we go through, brothers and sisters, in our lives brought to us by the Lord where He is working to increase our faith. Where is that in your life? Next, do you understand Christ promises to teach us and to feed us right here? Christ Himself promises to teach us and to feed us right here, Sunday after Sunday, making Himself known to us, bringing reversals that He knows that we need through our time that we spend together here. What is sanctification? What is repentance? What is confession of sin? What is lack of faith? What does it mean to be misinformed? Jesus Christ comes to us in His Word and in communion with Him, the Lord's Supper, and He changes us. These reversals that we see here, He does these same kinds of things in our lives. Right now, if we will look to Him. Unless, of course, have you already arrived? Do you not need any reversals in your life? Well, everyone is a story to tell. Everyone is an 11 that you can find and tell them his good work in your life. Because the next question on my little list here is, do you have gospel reversal stories to tell? Not only your conversion to Christ, but how he is changing you. How he is increasing your faith. How you were ignoring him in this situation. And how when he brought faith to your mind's eye and you prayed with faith into that situation, things changed. Things were different. Or you were changed. You were changed through his work, through the preaching of the word, through the sacraments received by faith. His presence coming to you and changing you. Next. I would like for you, right now in your own mind, to think of someone that you need to reach out to, to invite to your home for a meal, to love them, to rejoice in Christ, and to enjoy peace together with them. Think of someone in your mind that you think the Lord is leading you to reach out to them, And remember this story. Remember the power of eating together 
and of hearing his word and of rejoicing in him and his goodness in the context of eating a meal together. Who do you need to reach out to? Next. I hope you can see, looking back like we did at the Garden of Eden, and what was lost, and what has been restored, that this, this is the meal of the meek. This is the power of God at work in the world. Taking us back to Eden. And, and, and it can be more than bread and wine. I've had great Mexican at TJ's place. And we could all probably tell story after story of how he has woven our hearts together over food and fellowship and declarations together of his goodness and his kindness. And he changes us and he binds us together and he helps us. This is how God is changing the world. Taking us back to Eden, restoring what was lost and even more. So when you set your table and you bring the food and you sit down, you are more than conquerors. When you sit down together and you have His Word and you have food that He has given to you and you are walking by faith knowing that He is present, He is the shepherd, He is the teacher, He is the one breaking the food, breaking the bread and giving it to you, you are changing the world. And this is how God is bringing it to pass. is a world walking in peace with Him. Communing with God and with one another. Demonstrating the victory over sin, death, and hell that brings us back into joyful, restored fellowship with God and with one another. Let us pray. <clears throat> Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we again look back to the prayer at the beginning of this sermon that You would make us the meek. That we might inherit the earth. And like these disciples to Emmaus and back, that we would experience in our lives the sanctifying reversals within us and through us that are pleasing to you, that you know that we need. Bless us to this end, O God, that we may be these people with eyes of faith to walk in confidence with you everywhere we go, rejoicing together in your greatness and constantly overflowing with words and deeds of the gospel of the kingdom of God. All for your glory in Jesus' name.